can't hear me? Okay, listen up, boy. Okay. I get to take Matthew 7. Um, let's see here. Find where I'm at. Matthew 7, 16 through 20. Um, last week, Nate talked about false teachers. And I just wanted to back up a little bit, too. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. And we're kind of coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, he talked about treat others how you want to be treated. And, and really, that understanding is something that we need to, we need to understand. We're not working to the pinnacle to reach that point. We're actually starting from the foundation where Jesus told us to start, which is treat others how you want to be treated. This is basically where we have to start our place with, with Christ in, because he's, he's laid a foundation, and that foundation is where we build from, not try to build up to. So we need to have some of those things understood in our life as we can move forward with God. <clears throat> um, let's see, let's start in uh, Matthew seven sixteen through 20. Find it here. Okay. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Okay, so we see a couple things in there. We see basically a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. So if we're looking at false prophets and even ourselves, this, this isn't just for false prophets. It's, it's for, for everyone. It, the other scriptures that talk about it in this area are, they don't even talk about false prophets before they talk in this area. This part that Steve's tackling next week, it goes in and is talking about us at this point. So this isn't just for false prophets, it's also for us. So a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is, fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So it's fruit that, that God is after out of our lives. That's what Jesus has done for us. Is he's, he's done something so that our lives bear fruit unto God, bringing glory to him through a life lived for him. So in, uh, let's jump to Galatians, wait, John, let's go to John 5, John 15, 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. Um, we're going to jump to Galatians 5.22. Um, so you can see again right there in another passage in John where he's saying, 
You're proving yourselves to be his disciples by the fruit you bear. So this is the proof that we're looking for. We just read it in Matthew. We're reading it in John. Let's see what the fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians 5.22. Okay. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit, we just read it. So now, how do we bear that fruit? Because we all know living in this life, to, to, to bear the fruit of Christ is a lot different than what you probably come into a frustration and bear something else other than what these things are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So, how, how are we going to bear the fruit of Christ? Let's jump to the 11, Luke, Luke 8, 11 through 15. So, I'm basically going to try to outline, um, we, can, we can basically see the fruit that he's called us to is, is a fruit that we can't bear of ourselves. So, so the fruit of the Spirit is something that we personally cannot bear. And when we, when we are living in this life, as you're going about maybe driving down the road, somebody cuts you off, what fruit are you going to bear at that moment? Boom. What, what fruit do you have in your life? If, if you're concerned, worried, and fearful of your kids, what, what fruit are you bearing out of your life? If somebody gives you the wrong meal at, at the drive-in, what fruit are you going to bear? Are you bearing with patience, kind, love? What fruit? is your life bearing in your everyday situation? Is it fruit of the Spirit? Because a good tree does not produce bad fruit. So if this bad fruit's coming out of us, how do we keep from having this bad fruit? What is, and if these, this is the fruit we're going to bear, we, we have to pay attention to our life and what we're doing because the Spirit is in, in, contrary to the flesh. So that we don't do, we walk by the Spirit so that we don't do what we want to do. We don't respond to the flesh. We have to respond to the Spirit. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So now how, how do we walk in a way that we don't walk in ourselves while we walk right out this door and somebody cuts us off in line? Somebody runs a stop sign and hits us. What, whatever may happen in this life, we all know that as you're going through your circumstances of what your life is, are you having a fruit of frustration Fruit of anger, fruit of uh, lust, what is your life bearing? So let's look at it, Luke 8. Eleven through 15. Now this is the meaning of the parable. So Jesus just talked about a parable about sowing seeds, and they said, we don't understand this parable. The seed is the word of God. So it's the word of God that's get, getting planted. Some fell on the rocks, on the path, on the rocks, on, in the weeds, and then produced a good crop, the ones that were the other ones. So he explains what it is. Now this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seeds along the path are those who hear, but the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts 
so that they may not believe and be saved. The seed on the rocky ground are those who hear the word and receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves. They believe for a season, but in time of testing, they fall away. That word testing also means temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by their, the worries, riches, and pleasures of this life, and their fruit does not mature. But the seed on good soil are those of a noble and good heart who hears the word, cling to it, and by perseverance produce a crop. So you can see right there we have two of the seeds. Before, before we get into where fruit is produced, we have two seeds. One that fell upon the rocks. That one, it says it received the word, but in time of temptation and testings, it fell. So at a time of sin, boom, you fall, you don't produce. Okay, that plant didn't even get to a point of starting to produce. It's already falling to sin. The next one before it produces is it springs up, it grows. It, it's a full, mature Christian looking as a Christian, believing in the Word of God. It's the Word that's produced something in its life, and it's about to produce fruit, but before it can, it gets choked out by its cares, concerns, and worries, and desires of this life. Okay? Let's jump to Matthew 25, 1 through 15. 13. I know I might be running through a lot of scriptures pretty quick here, um, but <laughs> they're good, so you'll just try to bear with me. Um, okay. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Okay, so we've got five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take along any extra oil. But the wise ones took oil in the flask along with their lamps. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, said the wise ones, or there may not be enough for us, both us and you. Instead, go and sell it Go to those who sell and buy some oil for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy it, the bridegroom arrived. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins arrived and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or hour. Sorry, Steve, I don't know if you're going to use that one next week, but <laughs> um, they all kind of go together. Um, so what you see is you have ten virgins. So, I mean, a virgin, I mean, you think about this. A virgin isn't going to get to go into heaven, into the kingdom of God? We just read the parable before that said, the one that overcame sin but didn't produce fruit, it got choked out by its cares. These guys might have overcame sin, but they've got no fruit of the Spirit, oil. They're not, they're not entering so you, you can overcome sin and not have sin in your life, but if you still don't do, produce the fruit of Christ because of your living your life and being, being about yourself and how it's going for you, you can't produce his fruit, you're out. 
That's the, virgin, that's the same connection with the ten virgins. Sin, you're done. You didn't even make it to the next stage. The next stage is you've overcame sin, but now are you living for yourself? Are you living to be frustrated when you walk out this door by everybody and everything around you? Are you overcome by the world or have you overcome the world? Because you can't, we all know we can't overcome the world ourselves because we walk out and we get frustrated. But that's what he's saying is you must deny yourself. If you want to follow me and be my disciples, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. So that is our parable that we're talking about right there Then Matthew that talks with Luke. Um, you see where Peter was, was walking and Jesus, one, at one point he, Pe- Jesus asked him, who do they say I am? And, and Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the son of God. And he goes, well done, Peter. You, you didn't know this from yourself, the father told you. You received this from the father. Peter's probably feeling pretty good about himself, like, yeah, I got it, you know. Next thing he knows, he makes a comment saying, the Son of Man is going to have to be crucified. Peter goes, no, that's not going to happen. That can't happen, Jesus. And Jesus' response to him is, get behind me, Satan, for your mind is filled with the things of man. Satan's really good about trying to make it about you guys, about us, about how it's going in this life for us. Like that guy just cut me off. Things of man, how it's going for you. He came to destroy that nature. That nature is condemned. That's the nature that we have been saved from. That nature is gone through Christ. That's why we've all been crucified in Christ. He has killed the body of sin on the cross and the nature of the sinful nature. So as long as you're still living in a selfish nature, you won't be able to walk and bear the fruit of Christ giving glory unto God. Um, let's see. Sorry, I keep breathing in the microphone. Um, Acts 3.25. Okay. It's the promise of Abraham. We all know, what's the promise of Abraham? Well, we think, well, it's Christ coming and being saved. And it is. So what is that promise of what it looks like? So in Acts 3.25 and 26, he's talking, And you are sons of the prophets and of the covenant of God made with your fathers when he said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all the families of the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. See, the blessing of Abraham is to come and send Christ to turn you from your wicked ways. That's the blessing we've received in Christ. That's the blessing of Abraham. That's what we've received. He said to you first, he was talking to the Jews in that section. Then he came to us. Um, 2 Corinthians, let's see. Okay, 2 Peter 2.19. I'm going to jump there real quick. If you want. Okay. This scripture basically just says, I'm going to back up to 18. With lofty but empty words, they appeal to the sensual passions of the flesh and entice those who are just escaping from others who live in error. 
They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. Whatever he has been overcome by, he is a slave to. So we are to be slaves of righteousness, slaves to God. It says we were slaves of sin before, now we're to be slaves of God. And the scripture tells us whatever you're overcome by, you're a slave to. Who doesn't walk out here if you've had a road rage or whatever, and you come up to a situation and something happens, boom, you're overcome by that thing, bam. You're a slave of it. And we're to be a slave of God. Because John 8, as we know before, it says that the slave does not remain in the house of God. But a son who is free remains in the house of God. son who is free. And so we see in the scripture it says, whatever you're overcome by, you're a slave to. So we have to understand, we have to, we have to it says the overcomer gets the prize. The crown. The overcomer. We have to overcome this world, and it's through faith in Jesus that we overcome this world. But if we don't understand, we just think that that's just part of our nature, and that's just kind of what it is, we're going to go out here and just think that believing in Jesus alone and trying to do good is, is going to make us saved. It doesn't. It's bearing his fruit, being free of the world, living as he lived. Our assurance in that day is that we look just like him. That's the gospel. That's the truth of what he's came to do, is he's come to set us free in this life from what was condemning us, and that was sin and a fallen nature of man, to give us a whole new nature. 2 Corinthians And there's so many good scriptures. I wish I could just sit there and go through a ton of them, but I'm actually doing pretty good on time, I think. So that's good. Okay. Uh, I'm going to jump to four. For he was indeed crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Get a grip of that one. That's good. And though we are weak in him, yet by God's power we will live with him to serve you. That was four, if you missed that. Number five, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Can't you see for yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? (laughs) These are strong words when you start looking at these things and start picturing what this is actually saying. We will know them by their fruit. It's the fruit of our lives that show us whether we are in Christ or not. Not because we proclaim it and we go to church. Not because we say, I believe in Jesus, but we don't live through him. Jesus came to show us the way that he lived this life through the Father as a man so that we too could live through him as a man, as one in unity. With the same love that the Father has for us, he loves us. As for Christ, he loves us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6. Okay. As God's fellow workers, then, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in a time of favor, I heard you. 
and in the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the time of favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no one can discredit our ministry. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in calamities, in beatings, imprisonments, in riots, in labor, sleepless nights, and in hunger, in purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, the weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, slander and praise, viewed as impostors yet genuine, as unknown yet well-known, dying and yet we live on, punished yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. That sounds like good fruit. That sounds like a life that has been totally given over to live for Christ alone, that is not living out of the selfish realities, how it's going for me, how it went. Uh, you, you did me wrong. Um, you, you, you served me wrong. Something happened. This life is not about self. These scriptures are painting the picture very clearly about what that looks like. And so this is, to me, as I was coming out of, everybody, mostly everybody knows kind of my story a little bit. When I was coming out of my drugs and problems and pornography and sin, I, was, I didn't understand any of this stuff. I thought, I believed, I was reading the word, I was still struggling, I didn't understand what any of it meant. When I read 1 John 3 and it says, you know, if you sin, you're of the devil. How does this stuff work? What does it look like? How, is, how am I supposed to be bearing this fruit if a good tree does not bear bad fruit? And I go, that's impossible. It is impossible, but not with God. And that's the thing. Because that's what he says. The way is narrow, hard, and very few find it. And it's not able to be done by man. So if we're living this life and somebody can just, well, I can believe in something and I can do my best, that's not the answer. Anybody can do that. Everybody can do that. Pretty much the world is doing that. That's not what our faith looks like. Our faith is to live through Christ in such a way that is impossible for man to do. And it is a good tree does not bear bad fruit. But how do you walk this out then coming out of a place that has not been living that way. Are we condemned at that moment? Let me explain it. It looks like you come to a place of bearing fruit to repentance, as John the Baptist said. Repent, turn the other way. And as you're walking the other way to be holy as he is holy, looking at him, then it'll purify yourself as he is pure. And if you stumble, you don't stay in a place of stumble because a stumble on the way to him is forgiven. Intentional sin is not forgiven. You are out of the house. Intentional sin is never, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, is not a place of covered by the blood of Jesus. You must turn the other way. So we walk in this way, and he says, and the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. He will convict you of things that you are recognizing. Oh, I didn't recognize that. Thank you. 
and then you keep on walking. But to think that you're living in a life that is other than the looking like Christ and the fruit of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit in you, and you're overcome by other things of this life, it says that that is not okay because a good tree does not bear bad fruit. And we know each other by our fruit. So how do we live in Christ and bear his fruit? One part of it is we cannot be in sin. Sin has to be gone. And be done with sin, Scripture says you'll suffer in the flesh to be done with sin. There's a suffering. Denying ourself does not feel good. That's why we have the Spirit. Because they're in contrary to each other. They're in contrast. So that we do not do what we want to do. The flesh wants to do one thing. The Spirit says, no, righteousness. Grace reigns through righteousness. We're saved by grace. Grace is what teaches us how to live godly in this present day and age. The second part, first you overcome sin through Christ, through walking with him. Second part is yourself, that last, that last plant that grew up into something that was about to produce fruit, but then the fruit got choked out is because of your cares, your desires, your concerns, your worries, your thoughts of life, how it's going for you when you walk out here. He says that will, that will choke the fruit. Those are the weeds that he's talking about. That chokes the fruit of, of the Spirit up so that you cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. So he says, that's why he says, you must first deny yourself. Because if you're going to follow him, we cannot have that in us. And I think in a lot of senses, for the most part, us as Christians, for the most part, have overcome sin. If we haven't done that, we need to repent and turn to God. Because that needs to be dealt with in your life. That cannot be going on. Sin isn't a place that is allowed. He came to kill sin in the flesh, condemned sin in the flesh. Sin was condemning to us. That is never allowed. You must be free from sin. And the second one that is before the next one is yourself, your own life, is choking out the fruit. Before, if I'm going to be hurt by my wife, I'm not going to be able to love her. I'm going to be able to be offended by her. And Christ never called me to be offended. He called me to love her as Christ loved the church. So, Anytime we're about to produce fruit, you can do really well, but then as soon as something goes against you, it crunches, and now you're offended, you're bothered, you're upset. You have rights. We don't have rights. We have rights to live by what God has called us. Those are, that is the last one you have to have before you can start to walk in the fullness with Christ is denied. Yourself. It says they overcame by the blood of the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and denied their life unto death. That's how you overcome. Um, believe it or not, like this subject makes me super happy inside. I don't know if it does you guys, but <laughs> I'm trying to trying to keep it down, but it's, it's good because what I like about this type of subject is it, it's, it's the road, it's the path, it's narrow, it's hard, very few find it. 
It is the path, the narrow road, that's going to get us upon the path of Christ. Because I believe everybody here that is here, I don't think you're just coming here just to have faith and be like, see, I waited church. I believe that you're sincere and want to live for Christ. That's the point of why we're here. I don't think I've got a bunch of hypocrites sitting in the seats. I think we're here to know the way. I want to know the way, regardless of how stringent and tight and strong it sounds and how uncomfortable it might have made me feel at the time because it made me go, I'm not that, and that looks like, how do you even do that? That's not me, and I'm not safe at this point. Then be unsafe at this point. Turn your life over and have this be the only standard we live by and get rid of everything else that we've lived by that we've thought, well, I'm okay because... Jesus loves me. He does. But full of love, has righteousness. He's a righteous God. He cannot overlook things. He's made it to where we can live through him. That's the gospel. It's not this watered down, believe in Jesus and then do your best you can and going about and you're still looking like the rest of the world, acting and having problems and attitude and issues. That's not it. He, how, is, how is he glorified in the saints when he comes? If we're still just responding to ourselves, looking like ourselves, filled with ourselves and and we think that brings him glory? It doesn't. The glory is brought through the life that lived that now we are the body of Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that live in me. That's the glory that we bring to God in that day is because it's a life that's given over to him. It's not I who live, but Christ in me. So now all the glory goes to God because there's nothing that I can do to live in that manner, which just points back to God. We can't boast in that day. If we, if we just did the best we can, we could boast in that day. But if we live in a manner that is impossible for man, there's no boast in that because that's just Jesus. That's just the Spirit of God. That's just all Him. Um, I did good this time. Last time I went real long, so <laughs> I shortened it up. Um, so... So, you know, Nate, I appreciate Nate. He mentioned last Sunday, he said, you know, if, if anybody has a problem or thought or sees something different in Scripture, I, you know, I am all open to, to hear and to talk about it because, like he said, I'm looking always for what I believe that's off. And it's the same thing. I appreciate that because the way that I've come to understand this as you let this read this word is not by trying to prove and hold what I believe, but to try to disprove what I believe. If you could try to take what you believe, just believe in Jesus and you're okay. Try to disprove that. You're going to disprove it really fast. Try to disprove what you believe through the word. So now if we take our belief systems, and we're because we all have belief systems, every single one of us in here has a different thought and a different belief system spurred by something. We might think it's scripture. It might be twisted scripture. It might be a teaching of man. It might be just because we've grown up that way and we don't even recognize where it came from. But it's, it's if we take it and we, we weigh it to the word of God and actually see where it's coming from and see what it weighs against, to see what's actually true, because I believe if we weigh to, to take the scripture and try to disprove what we think, you'll start to find something a little more concrete. 
that's not challenged by the word when you go, well, that part doesn't make sense with this part, and that must just be an exception. There aren't exceptions. It's, it's, we either are looking straight and we're filled with light, or we're looking at an angle and we're getting some shadows in our eyes of how the scripture makes sense. So that I appreciate, and I say the same thing too. I, this is, I love to study the Word of God, and I would love to go over anything with anybody if they ever had questions or thought they saw something challenging or how that would look. I'm completely open because that's how I myself go with Scripture. I look for challenges to what I believe. I don't look to try to, to guard it. I look to challenge it. So I welcome any challenges because I want to see if there's a flaw in something that I might believe. Good deal. I did really good this time. I made up for last time, I guess. Um, so just to recap real quick. Um, it helped me a lot to know the path of what that looked like. Because a good tree does not produce bad fruit. And they are known by your tree. And a bad tree will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And there's a couple things before you recognize where the fruit is produced. And like we said, sin. The next one is self. You take a look at those things, you recognize it, and you don't have any excuse for those things to be in your life. And you start getting rid of things that overcome you. Because whatever you're overcome by, you're a slave to. And I only want to be a slave of righteousness. So anything that comes over me or I'm responding to, it's painful. Die to that thing. Submit to God. Have only one ruler and one Lord in your life. That's him. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending Jesus and making, making it possible to be reestablished to you. That we can experience you in this life and the things of of self and life and everything, the fallen nature of this world doesn't have to have a grip on us anymore. We can be free because of what you've done. We can have joy and peace that doesn't be taken. I ask that whoever's heart is being spoke to do not harden your heart when you hear his voice. Do not harden your heart to the ways of righteousness and holiness when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. God, I ask for forgiveness for them. I ask for help for the, everybody to be able to see and understand your ways and who you are and what they have, what you have in store for them when we live for you. I ask for you to help us to live and walk holy as you are holy, to teach us and father us in all the ways of our life, that it may be, bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.